take just a moment to have a little family time together as a church. And if you're our guest here this morning, I'm just going to ask your patience if you'll indulge me for just a moment. And, and this is what I want to say. We are growing as a church, and that's a good thing, isn't it? Uh, ever since, just about January for some reason, and, and you know who knows in God's providence why these things happen when they happen, but since January, we've been getting a, a fuller, more guests and um, uh, just uh, more people in the auditorium, and, and it's been a good thing. We've been growing as a church, and there's a sense of just of, of God's blessing in our church, and that's such a great thing. But with that comes some issues sometimes, some growing pains. Anytime you're growing, you know there are growing pains. I remember my knees hurting like crazy when I was in those adolescent years and shooting up. You know, nothing seemed to fit quite right. And uh, we have a few little growing pains, and, and one of them is this. That, that with an increased amount of people, and we're actually down this Sunday morning a little bit from what we have been uh, over the last several months, but with an increased amount of people comes a decrease in, in the amount of seating, right? And it gets a little bit harder sometimes to find a seat uh, when we have a fuller crowd. And, and one of the things that we need to understand is that we need to be a little bit flexible when, when we're coming into a, a sanctuary and auditorium that's fuller and making allowances for people and especially guests to, to help them find a seat. And, and here's the other thing we need to realize and we need to remember. We don't have assigned seating at church. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. That was a hearty amen. But let me tell you, I've been getting reports and more than a few of guests who have been asked to move because they're sitting in somebody's seat. And, 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 I, and I realize we don't always think about the way that comes across, but it sends a very bad message when we ask guests or fellow members to move because that's my seat. And so I'm going to ask that we not do that, that we not ask people to move, that, that we, uh, out of graciousness, take the opportunity of somebody sitting where we normally sit. And listen, I understand sitting where you normally sit, right? I have a place I sit, and I guarantee you I'm not getting a lot of competition for my seat on the front row. <laughs> but sometimes where you sit, you know, there may be. You know, and people move around a little bit, and we've got, you know, just, just and that's just normal. And it happens, and that's cool. But we need to make sure that when it does happen, that if that's you, that you, you are gracious and you find another seat, or help somebody find a seat, or ask somebody to sit next to you if you see a guest looking for a seat. Let us go out of our way to show the hospitality that we need to show, not just to guests, but to one another as a family of faith. All right? An amen on that? We can do that? All right, good. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 9 this morning. Page 633 of the Pew Bible in front of you, if you want to grab that and follow along. And while you're turning there, I, I need to tell you something. And if you know me very well at all, then this is not going to come as a surprise to you. But here it is. I need a hearing aid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I've, never, I've, I've not had my hearing checked recently. Um, but I'm pretty sure that it's not what it ought to be. And, and I know for sure that my family would back me up on this. Because... <laughs> because uh, some of the most common phrases at my house that I use are, what was that? I I'm sorry, can you say that again? I, I didn't hear you. I mean, I'm saying these things a lot. I just, I just can't hear very well. It's worse in my left ear than my right ear. So if you really want to get my attention talking to this ear, 
right? I can, I can hear sounds. I'm not deaf. I can hear sounds. I just can't distinguish the words. Now, most of, and some of you can relate to that, right? Now, most of the time, it's just annoying. Because you have to ask people over and over again. Some of you, you know, when I met you for the first time, if you've not been here for real long, you know, we met and, and you told me your name and I said, I'm sorry, say that again. Can you spell it, please? You know, because I have a hard... Sometimes it's just annoying. Sometimes it's funny. Because I hear things and I'm thinking to myself, I'm pretty sure that's not what they said. But things like, Dad, can you pass me the chicken can sound like, Dad, the last key is sticking. You know, it just... <laughs> and, and, I, and I know, I know that's not right, right, in my head. So sometimes it's funny. Listen, sometimes I suppose it hadn't really come to this for me, but sometimes I suppose it could be even kind of dangerous if you really need to hear what somebody's saying in a moment and you, you can't hear what they're saying. But that's okay. We, we expect that, right? That's just, you learn to cope with that, you learn to adjust, you make do, and, and you move on. In the physical world, that's all right. You can get by with limited hearing and even deafness. But in the spiritual world, good hearing is much more critical. And I'm not talking about hearing with these ears. I'm talking about hearing with spiritual ears. It's important that you can distinguish between the voices that are calling for your attention. And that's what Solomon shows us in Proverbs chapter 9. He's going to show us that there are two voices out there. There's two voices that are featured in this chapter. The voice of wisdom and the voice of folly. And Solomon's going to help us to distinguish between these two voices. And he's going to show us the importance of being able to distinguish between these two voices. So look with me, if you will, at Proverbs chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city, let all who are simple come to my house, those who have no sense, she says. To those who have no sense, she says, come and eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers, or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way, let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious, but little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are, in, are deep in the realm of of the dead. Do you, do you see it there? Two voices. There are two voices here that Solomon is showing us this morning. Two voices calling out to us. The voice of wisdom and the voice of folly. And here's what I want you to understand. The voice you end up listening to will ultimately shape your character and determine your destiny. The voice you end up listening to in your life will ultimately shape your character 
and determine your destiny. And I want us to see how that unfolds as we walk our way through Proverbs chapter 9. Here's what Solomon shows us. The first thing is this, and we, we've already said this, but let's look at it in more detail. Number one, two voices are calling. Two voices are calling. Throughout the book of Proverbs, wisdom and folly are shown in sharp contrast to one another. They are two very divergent ways of life, two very different ways of looking at the world. They are antithetical to one another. They don't share anything in common. Way over there you have wisdom. Way over there you have folly. And they don't mix. And here in chapter 9, wisdom and folly are pictured as two women. And they're very different kind of women. Wisdom is pictured as a woman who is industrious. She is established. There's a sense of safety and security with her. She's very capable. She's built her own house. She has skillfully prepared a meal and, and, and set it out for her guests to, to show them hospitality, setting a table for them. Let's call her Lady Wisdom. Folly, on the other hand, is, is loud. She's brash. She lacks the knowledge to be accomplished at anything. And even if she had the knowledge, she doesn't have the self-discipline to use it. She makes no preparations for her guest and offers them only illicit pleasures. Let's call her Madam Folly. These are the voices that call to us. Wisdom and folly. But what is wisdom? You ever, you ever wonder that? We use that term. What is wisdom? What is folly? One of the best definitions that I've read of wisdom comes from the introduction to the book of Proverbs in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible, The Message. He, he very loosely paraphrases the Bible, puts it in real kind of folksy terms and kind of uh, almost a commentary on the Bible. But he writes these great little introductions to each of the books of the Bible. Let me read you part of the introduction to the book of Proverbs. He says this, Many people think that what's written in the Bible has mostly to do with getting people into heaven, getting right with God, saving their eternal souls. It does have to do with that, of course, but not mostly. It is equally concerned with living on this earth, living well, living in robust sanity. I love that. The Bible has to do with living in robust sanity. In our scriptures, heaven is not the primary concern to which earth is just a tag-along afterthought. On earth as it is in heaven is Jesus' prayer. Wisdom is the biblical term for this on earth as it is in heaven everyday living. Wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves. It has virtually nothing to do with information as such, with knowledge as such. A college degree is no certification of wisdom nor is it primarily concerned with keeping us out of moral mud puddles, although it does have a profound moral effect upon us. Wisdom has to do with becoming skillful in honoring our parents and raising our children, handling our money and conducting our sexual lives, going to work and exercising leadership, using words well and treating friends kindly, eating and drinking healthily, cultivating emotions within ourselves and attitudes towards others that make for peace. Threaded through all of these items is the, the insistence that the way we think of and respond to God is the most practical thing we do. In matters of everyday practicality, nothing, absolutely nothing, takes precedent over God. That's great, isn't it? So what is wisdom? 
Wisdom is being skillful in godly living. If you want to boil that down, that's it. Wisdom is being skillful in godly living. And so it follows that foolishness is being unskilled in godly living. And Solomon says that these are the two options for our life and that they are calling to us. It's not just that there are two paths in front of us that are just kind of passively there for us to choose. No, no, no. These two options are calling to us. Notice that both Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly are recruiting people to join them. There seems to be a competition among them. They're, they're out to capture the hearts and minds of the people of the city and And that's us. It's the world. The city is the world. We are the people of the city. Both have placed themselves, look, at the highest point in the city, a point of visibility. Lady Wisdom, as a woman of virtue who seeks to nurture and protect, Madam Folly is a prostitute who preys on the weaknesses of others. They are very different. But notice this. They are both saying the same thing. Did you notice that? Both of them are saying Come to my house because I've got what you need. It's only when we get close enough to see them clearly that we understand who these women really are. Wisdom is the voice of God calling to us. Wisdom is God saying, this is how life is to be lived. This is how to live in robust sanity. And folly is the voice of the world, which, of course, is really the voice of the enemy. Where where do we hear these voices around us? Where do we hear? We hear them all over the place. We hear these voices in in our music, our literature, movies, in the media. These voices can be heard in in the words of our friends and family members and teachers and even strangers sometimes. These voices can be spoken. These voices can be in written form. But make no mistake, you are being pursued You are being wooed. You are being courted to live your life in one of two very different ways. One is the way of godliness and the other is the way of worldliness. One is the way of wisdom and the other is the way of folly. And if you cannot distinguish between these two voices, if you have no spiritual discernment to tell the difference, you are going to be easily led astray. Brad just sang the song, The Voice of Truth by Casting Crowns. And the last line of the chorus says, Of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and obey the voice of truth. Listen, the voice of wisdom is the voice of truth because it shows us what is real in life. It shows us how God designed us to live life. Who will you listen to? There are two options. There are two voices calling out to you. But there's something else that I want you to notice in this passage. Not only are there two voices, but there are two people responding. Look back with me again at verse 7. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. You know, Solomon says there are two kinds of people in the world. And it's not those who squeeze the tooth, you know, toothpaste from the end of the tube and those who squeeze from the middle. 
It's not those who put the toilet paper on the roll going this way and those who put the toilet paper on the roll going this way. No, the two kinds of people in the world, according to Solomon, are the wise man and the fool. And how can you tell the difference between the wise man and the fool? Well, you just look at their lives. Those who listen to wisdom live one kind of life. Those who live to folly will live another kind of life. Your life will reflect the company you keep, metaphorically. Well, it's true, literally, too. I mean, if you hang out certain kinds of people, you're going to kind of take on those characteristics. But metaphorically... It's going to reflect whether you're hanging out with Madam Folly or you're hanging out with Lady Wisdom. And Solomon shows us three ways that, that this, is, this shows up in your life. Now, this is not a comprehensive list, but this is a for example. If you're hanging out with Wisdom, this is what it's going to look like. If you're hanging out with Folly, here, here are three ways that it's going to show up. First, he says this, the wise man is teachable, but the fool is not. The wise man is teachable. If you accept the invitation of Lady Wisdom, she will not tell you how much you know and how great you are. (laughs) That's not what wisdom does for us. Wisdom shows us how much we don't yet know and how much we still have to learn in our lives. Truly wise people are aware of the need to continue learning and growing. They know they have blind spots. They know they have limitations. And they are willing for other people to point that out in their lives. They're wise Look at what it says. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. That's not true with the fool. Solomon says don't waste your time on the mocker. Another name for the fool. Don't waste your time with them. They're not going to listen to you. If they're hanging out with Madam Folly, foolishness is going to pump up their ego. It's going to corrupt their thinking so that any instruction, any correction is going to be rejected out of hand. No one knows more than a fool. Now I'd really rather use someone else to illustrate this point I'd really rather use anyone else to illustrate this point but I think it's probably wise to use myself so here goes when Linda and I were in college before we started dating and you're going to wonder why we started dating after I tell you this story why she would date me but when we were in college we uh, we went to the beach one day just a group of people big group of friends Saturday or something and we got to the beach I don't know how long we'd been there but I didn't uh, put on any sunscreen, and I'm pretty fair-skinned, right? And she noticed that I hadn't put on any sunscreen. We'd been there for a little while, and so she, she told me, you know, shouldn't you put on sunscreen? Because if you know Linda, you know she's a kind person. She didn't want me to get burned. And so she just says, you know, well, don't you think you should put on sunscreen? I think you're probably going to get burned if you don't. Well, you know, the wise person is going to accept the wise advice of a lovely young lady, especially if he likes the lovely young lady, Right? But the fool doesn't like to be told what to do. So the fool didn't put on any sunscreen. (laughs) You know, I'm going to tell me what to do. I got burned to a crisp. The the worst sunburn I have ever had. My legs looked like lobsters. They were so red. And the funny thing is the next day I had to get on a plane and fly to Chicago. Right? So I could, I could hardly wear pants. I did, but I could hardly wear pants. I had to wear really loose-fitting slacks, you know, and sitting in those little airplane seats, you know, when you bend your knees and the skin stretches on the knee. Oh, it was so painful. It was a painful trip, and it was a lesson learned. Now, the consequences for my foolishness at that point were fairly minor, right? I mean, I got a bad sunburn. If I end up getting skin cancer from it, it won't be so minor. But here's the thing. So often in life, the consequences... For the foolishness of an unteachable spirit are not so minor. 
They could be painful. They could be devastating. And they can have long-term effects. Don't be a fool. Accept the instruction and correction of others. Listen, even your enemies, people who don't like you. I have a pastor friend. He's so wise. He says this, sometimes your enemies will tell you what your friends won't. So don't reject out of hand something that somebody says just because they don't like you. Listen and see if there is wisdom in it. Second, Solomon says that the wise man is a man of faith and the fool is not. Look at verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now what does it mean to fear God? It doesn't mean to be scared of God. Not in this context. That's not what it's talking about. This is not wisdom. Oh, God, please, no, no, go away, God, no. That's not, that's not a life of wisdom, right? The fear of the Lord is to have a, an overwhelming and deep awe and respect for God for who He is. Last week, we talked about uh, worship and the glory of God. And we said that it's so important to know God for who He is. And in relationship, to know who we are in relationship to God and to respect that difference, that He is God and we are not. That is the beginning of wisdom. And understand, to fear God doesn't mean that God is is just one of many competing interests in your life. He's just like one part of your life and you've got all this other stuff going on. To fear God means that, that He is the template through which you see and understand and evaluate life. It means that you take God's story and that is the context in which you understand your own story. See, you can be a professing Christian and be a practicing atheist. Oh, you say, I believe in God. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a God believer. I'm a person of faith. But you, you ignore Him in almost every other aspect of your life. What I'm saying is that coming to church and even being religious is not necessarily the same as fearing God. But for the wise man, for the wise woman, faith is more than just a profession. It is a mindset. It is a lifestyle that begins with saying, there is a God. And He is worthy of my loyalty and my obedience. That's why Psalm 14.1 says this, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. You cannot live in robust sanity and deny God. Right? I mean, think about it. Foolishness is to try to live in a way that you deny reality. You cannot deny reality and be wise. To try to live in a way that you're denying what is real, what is true, is foolishness. Denying the reality of God is just the most extreme example of that. But, but we can apply this to a lot of different areas of our life and see how it works, right? I mean, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. All right, well, let's, let's apply that to another area. The fool says in his heart, there are no traffic laws and there are no police officers on the road. You ever drive like that? What happens? That person's going to rack up a bunch of fines in their life. It's going to cost them financially. If you, if you drive like, oh, the, the traffic laws don't apply to me. There are no traffic laws. There are no police officers. And what happens, those of you who are police officers, when you pull those kind of people over? They're really angry. As if somehow, you know, this is a surprise, right? Students, try this one on. This, the fool says in his heart, there are no grades. There are no tests. Yeah, Try living that. How does that work for you? No, it's going to ruin your life. See, it's only when God becomes your point of reference in life that you can live wisely because you're living according to what is actually really true. For example, look in your notes at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. 
James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, why would you consider it pure joy when you fall into trials, when you, when you face difficulties in your life, if there is no God? Why would you do that? That's not wisdom, that's stupidity. But if there is a God, and you know Him, then you can press on through those trials knowing that He is at work in the midst of them doing what He has purposed to do in your life. And there's great wisdom in that. But it only comes when you make God the point of reference in your life. When you're living in the reality that there is a God and He is sovereign and He is in control of your life. And then look at what James says just a few verses later in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, in other words, if you have trouble seeing this, if you're having trouble kind of making this connection in your brain, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. The wise man, the wise woman is a person of faith. The fool is not. Third, he says that the wise man is righteous and the fool is not. Notice in verse 7, it says that the mocker or the fool is, is described as a wicked person. And in verse 9, the wise man is called righteous. And these are not just arbitrary terms that, that Solomon's using. He, he's making a very pointed distinction here. The person who spends time with lady wisdom will be characterized by a righteous life. The person who spends time with Madame Folly will be characterized by an unrighteous life. And this makes sense, right? Because wisdom leads you to fear God and folly leads you to deny God. If not in your words, then in your actions. Let's put this in simpler terms. Foolish people live sinful lives. Wise people steer away from sin. When we sin, we're going to make it real simple, we are stupid. Because it's contrary to what is right and true. It's contrary to reality. And I'm talking about when you have a decision to make. Okay, I'm talking about you come to that that intersection of decision in your life and you know that's the wrong choice, that's the right choice. And you make the wrong choice. That's foolish. It's stupidity. But what does the fool do? He rationalizes, he makes excuses and if necessary he deceives himself into the wrong choice. He ignores what he knows to be true to do what he knows to be wrong opening himself up to the consequences of his actions. See, two voices are calling out to us, wisdom and folly. And two different kinds of people are responding, the wise man and the fool. But I want you to see, number three, two destinies are waiting. Two destinies are waiting. By the way, before I go into that, where where do we find wisdom? I'm talking about hanging out with lady wisdom. Where do we find the words of wisdom? We find it here in God's Word. He has revealed to us what is true and what is right. He has revealed to us who He is and who we are and what this world is all about in His Word. Number three, two destinies are waiting. In verse six, as Lady Wisdom is calling people to come to her house, she says, leave your simple ways and you will live. She is offering life. Madame Folly, on the other hand, has no life to offer. She only has death, but she's not going to advertise that, right? She's not going to put that in the window. She's going to put something nice looking in the window. But those who go to her house find out soon enough. Look at verse 18. It describes those who enter her house. It says, but little did they know that the dead are there. 
that her guests are in the depths of the grave. Now, what does that mean? Now, I think there's a sense in which we can take that literally when, when it talks about life and death. We can take that literally. And that's how it's, it's translated in verse 11. Look at verse 11. For through wisdom your days will be many. Your years will be added to your life. Right? So there, there's a sense in which, which we, we can take this literally. When we say wisdom leads to life. We understand this. Those who live wisely generally live longer. Now this is not a law. This is a principle. Which means this is generally how life works. We all know exceptions, don't we? Good people, wise people, living you know, basically a good life, die young. And then some, you know, wicked fool lives to a ripe old age. We, we know exceptions, but generally speaking, we understand this is how life works. Eat badly, drink heavily, drive poorly, abuse your body with drugs, ignore the law, practice sexual immorality with multiple partners, and you're likely to have a shortened lifespan. This is common sense, and I think this is an appropriate application of this passage. When you hang out with Madam Folly, the chances of a long life become diminished. When you hang out with Lady Wisdom, the chances of a long life increase. But I think we can also take this in terms of the quality of life that you live. Those who practice wisdom will live more with more joy and vitality and fullness than those who live foolishly. It's not just about the number of years, it's about the kind of life that you live. There's a certain reward that comes with a life well lived, and that is satisfaction. But if you live long enough with Madame Folly, your life will begin to take on the look of death. It's a quality of life. And I think that's an appropriate application as well. Not just how long you live, but the kind of life that you live. But you know, I think there's an even deeper spiritual meaning here. You see, ultimately, when the Bible talks about life and death, spiritually, it has to do with our relationship to God. To be spiritually alive is not to be in a right relationship with God. To be spiritually dead is to be separated from God, who is life. And aren't these the two destinations that wisdom and folly will ultimately lead us to? Think about it. Wisdom says, fear God, acknowledge God, trust God. That's what wisdom tells us. Folly says, you don't need God. You're okay, you're fine, you got this. Live life on your own terms and everything will be fine. The ultimate act of wisdom is to recognize how desperately helpless you are and how much you need God's mercy and how much you need His grace in your life. That's wisdom. The ultimate act of foolishness is to deny that there is a God. Or if you believe that there is a God, that you're good enough on your own without Him. You know, that one day when you stand before the man upstairs, you'll be fine. It's foolishness. The wise man seeks God's mercy by faith. The foolish man sees no need for it. The wise man receives life. The foolish man inherits death. And the choice is yours. A moment ago I quoted from this, read the verse that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To believe that there is a God. The knowledge of God is the beginning of understanding. That's the beginning of wisdom. And you may be here this morning, you're saying, you know what, that's right, that's right. Maybe for the first time in your life, you're saying, yes, yes, it is foolish to live as if there is no God. Listen, that's an important step to take in your life, but you need to understand something. The fear of the Lord is to believe in God as He actually is. It's to believe in who He really is, not a concept that we have of God, 
Not, not the, the picture of God maybe that the world wants to sell us, but the God who has revealed himself in the Bible. The fear of the Lord is to believe and to know God for who he really is. Who is God? Well, he tells us some things about himself. He tells us that he is a God of judgment. He is a holy God. He is a God of wrath who will punish sin. But he also tells us that he's a loving God. God of grace. God of mercy. A tender-hearted God. How do those two things go together? I mean, they seem kind of at odds with one another. How can God be vengeful and wrathful and holy and, and, and just and loving and merciful and saving at the same time? How can those two things exist in the same God? Well, those two things come together and are reconciled at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because at the cross of Jesus Christ, when He was nailed to that tree, God's wrath was poured out on Him. His full wrath for sin And God's love was expressed through Him. He took on the penalty of our sins so that we can be made right with God. And that is the God that you must fear. The God who is holy and cannot tolerate sin, but who is so loving that He paid the penalty Himself for it. How do you do that? It means you come to Jesus Christ in an attitude of repentance and faith. You accept Him as your Savior. And God welcomes you into His family. That is the beginning of wisdom. And if you want to know more about what that means and and what that entails and what the Bible says about having a relationship with God, listen, I'd love to talk to you about that. And this is how we can make that happen. There's there's, there's just a number of ways that you can let me know. You know what, Pastor, I, I want to talk to you about that. When we stand and sing in just a moment our song of invitation, listen, that's a time to respond in any way that you feel God is leading you. But if He's leading you in that way this morning, and you want to come right on down and say, let's talk, let's talk about this. I want to talk about this. I need, to, I need to know more. I'm ready right now. Come on down and talk to me. And I'll share with you what God has done for you. Maybe you want to fill out that communication card. That's why we put it in your bulletin. One reason. So you can put your name and your phone number and check that box that says, I want to learn more about what it means to become a Christian. Drop that in the offering plate or in the, one of those little white boxes. I'll get you, I'll call you, I'll get it and I'll call you this week and we'll talk about this decision that maybe God is leading you to in your life. Or maybe you just have some questions that need to be answered. You're not quite there yet, but, but you, you need to have some questions answered. I'll do my best to answer them if I can. Maybe you want to catch me after the service. I always hang out around here in the sanctuary. You just want to pull me aside and say, hey, do you have a minute to talk? Whatever the case might be, if God's leading you this morning in that direction, and you know if He is, I'm not leading you. If God's leading you in that direction, respond to Him in some way. Let me know so that I can let you know what He has said in His Word about how you can know Him in a very personal way. Maybe you have some other decision to make this morning. You've you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. You've, You've responded to wisdom and the voice of truth. You've accepted Jesus as your Savior. But you know what? Even as Christians, the voice of folly calls out to us. Am I right? It doesn't go away just because you're a believer. Sometimes it gets stronger. The voice of the enemy wanting to drag you down. And maybe you've, you've given in and you've, you've, you've hung out with Madame Folly a little more than you intend. You didn't realize you went into her house and, and it's had an impact on your life. And this morning, you just need to do some business with God about living according to wisdom and living out the wisdom of His Word. 
Maybe it's a time of confession for you. Maybe it's just a time of thanking God for His grace, for a new day and a new start in His grace. Whatever it might be, if you need to respond to God some way this morning, take this time of invitation to do that, would you? Father, we thank You for wisdom, the wisdom of Your Word. And we thank You for Solomon who, who was able to, to, to draw together in such a, a picturesque way to, to show us wisdom and folly in terms of these two women. Father, I pray that that you would incline our hearts towards wisdom, towards the voice of truth. And that would be reflected in our lives on a day-to-day basis, but also, Father, when we get to the end of our lives, being able to look back with satisfaction, having the reward of a life well lived. Father, we know that, that none of us have lived that life perfectly. And so, Father, I pray right now for anybody who's who feeling um, guilt, Lord, who's feeling shame, perhaps. Lord, I pray for your, your grace and your mercy to be extended to them, Father. Extend your loving arms around them. Remind them, Lord, that they are your child, that you love them. Now, when we fall and we skin our knees and we break our bones because of the foolish things we do, you pick us up. You clean us off and you help us to walk again. Lord, we're so grateful for that as well. Father, I pray for anyone that maybe this morning for the first time is saying in their heart, I need a Savior. I need to deal with this sin issue in my life. I need to be made right with God. Father, draw them to Jesus, I pray, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.